Hello to today's podcast from Mark and Mark on pharmaceutical contamination monitoring. Today, we look at the newly published ISO 14644-21. I'm Mark with over 25 years of experience in aseptic fill finish equipment, and I'm together with... Hello, I'm Mark Hallworth with 25 years experience in contamination control and monitoring. It's good to have you back, Mark. It's a while. Um, it's been a while, Mark, hasn't it? That's for sure. <laughs> but we're going to go strong here again towards the end of the year. We have many topics to talk about. Yep. But I'm happy that you actually helped writing this paper uh, because many, many discussions we had about a one meter length hose inside fill finish equipment. And um, I think it was hundreds over two years where we tried to explain the meter which came up from the Annex 1 and uh, how you want to react to it. So now you have a really good lecture paper. Written. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's so a couple of years ago, and this started a couple of years ago as well, when, uh, when the draft of Annex 1 came out. So in about 2017, draft 12, no, draft 12 came out. And, uh, and one of the sections that... Um, that was on instrumentation talked about that no more than a meter should be used and um and that caused a bit of a ripple in industry because people have installed tubing for you know one two me up to two meters and historically our own white papers had been saying you can use up to two meters now you're going to get loss and um you know there will be losses in transport tubing it's a it's a you know it's a physical phenomenon so you're not going to avoid it. But the idea was, how does it affect the quality of the data? Not necessarily the quality of the sample, but the data as you look at it overall. So there was a misinterpretation of the standard ISO 14644 Part 1 Annex C. And, um, and, and in Annex C, it said for macro monitoring. When you look at ISO 14644 part one, there's the table of clean room standards. And that starts at 0.1 micron class one, and it goes up to five micron. And there's two extremes on that table. There's the ultrafine, i.e. those particles that are less than 0.1 micron, and there's macro particles, and they both have their own little descriptor. So in Appendix C, they talk about for macro monitoring, i.e. everything that's bigger than the table. And in there, because large particles drop out very quickly and larger particles drop out even faster, even more readily, there's a note saying really more than a meter of tubing, you're going to start affecting the quality of the data. And Annex 1 picked up on that language because 5 micron is of so significant importance uh, and always has been. So they used the same language and said, you shan't use more than a meter. Over the years of developing the draft, that got diluted. So now Annex 1 talks about no more than a meter unless justified and the number of bends, etc. In the interim, as part of the working group 15 under TR209, we came out with a technical report, a document that helps better understand 
airborne particle sampling techniques. And that's the title. It's a technical report that supports ISO 14644 parts one and two, uh, ISO 14644-21, 2023, uh, airborne particle sampling techniques. And that's what we're looking at now. And it was all catalyzed through Annex 1, kind of misinterpreting what is a macro particle. Yeah, I can remember many discussions around that. Um, they were saying anything above five microns, someone, people said 10 and bigger. And um, a lot of times people said, well, well, you were talking about this, but where is it written down? And you always were saying, well, we we're working on it. Um, it's coming. Yeah. And actually what I like in this paper is that uh, the, the important points are mentioned several times. So you read through it and you repeat uh, or you repeatedly uh, read the important points. Um, it, it seems to be a pretty complete uh, paper with the most important points in there. Um, it starts with the difference between classification and monitoring, and this is very well explained. Uh, I think that is one of the big points people need to understand mm. also. Yeah, it is, because classification is that one-off sample that you take that has to last a year, and it's the calibration of your clean room. So it's got to be the highest quality of sample, which means the best sampling techniques need to be employed, which means the least amount of tubing should be used, which means, you know, everything has to be just so because it's a calibration. But monitoring is that variance over time. Am I in control? Am I seeing excursions that are not acceptable or not normal to production environments? So it's a dynamic a fluid element of how you see data and and like you said that was one of the um one of the key points that this you know the working group tried to focus on and and bring out is that data even though it's particle counters that the same data might mean different things depending on how you try to apply it a visual of the circle um where it's best um classification is establishing the control and then monitoring is the demonstrating of the control that uh, really helps yeah we tried to um put as many graphics into this paper as we could we're a little bit handicapped because iso requires everything to be black and white and so you know bright colors that describe things really well um go out the window but um, oh. the classification versus monitoring and the, you know, the, the do check act plan, plan do check act kind of aspect to how you how you visualize the workflow, you know, we think describes the process really well. Yeah. And also a really good explanation on the ISP uh, is given and why it's important that it's there and uh, or its orientation and um the size of it. This is one of the best explanations I've read, written so far, or read so far, not written. Yeah, and there's again because the flow rate of of air inside laminar flow, laminar flow, unidirectional first air. There's a lot of different names for it, but in unidirectional airflow, the primary air direction should be monitored um, isoaxially. And it is like, what error do you allow for isoaxial? So I've always used, you know, this plus or minus 15, 20 degrees, because at that point, 
the cone, the aspect of the cone starts to change and the size of the exposed face changes relative to the to the airflow. Obviously, it's going to draw some in as the air moves past the uh, past the inlet, but it should be pointing predominantly at the uh, at the airflow. But that 0.45 meters per second is plus or minus 20 percent. So it could be as low as, you know, 0.36. And some hoods where we measure them, it can be as low as 0.25 or 0.26. Do I need a new isokinetic probe for those applications? And, uh, and ultimately, the answer is no. Now, if for classification, it's a critical measurement, maybe you do. But uh, Bay 1111, back in the well, 70s, came out with a, a, a rule of thumb, which got generally accepted, that plus or minus 5% isokinetic error is acceptable. So that's what we've tried to put into this is, you know, a more practical view of sampling techniques. So a 5% error on isokinetic flow kind of does translate into 0 0.22, 0 0.23 meters per second at the bottom end and 0 0.55, 0 0.56 at the top end. Because probes are designed, all manufacturers are going to design a probe to a number. And that number is, is historically been 0.45 meters per second, 90 feet per minute. So, um, you know, there's a lot of tolerance in isoaxial measurement or sorry, isokinetic measurement. And um, and that's what we tried to build into this paper. Yeah. Also, finally, we see materials explained uh, what is good for particle transport, what's better, how it should be, um, should give a lot of the machine manufacturers a guidance of how they can put it in. Also around what to do when there's a valve in a valve involved or something else in between. So this is a really good guidance. Many yeah, what I um, about here. yeah, what I liked about it was the um, that little you know decision tree at the end, where if you're not sure, follow the decision tree, and that will put you in good. It's not an absolute. Again, it's a it's a handy guide. It's a it's a useful instruction booklet. It's not an absolute you know yeah. law this this isn't you know a a normative instruction it's a guide to better understand and just and just use your tools better and that yeah. decision tree is is um really really handy and i know one of the fellows put a lot of work into the defining the three different um kind of scenarios that might exist with uh, you know with the the different applications that you might see so it um I think it would be a really useful guide. Yeah, and also on the decision tree, um, you start reading and then you're like, mm, what does it mean four bends and three bends and so on? And then the next page shows the practical uh, drawing yeah. of the isolator and how the uh, unit is set underneath, for example, the isolator. And then you have four bends. Uh, you see clearly it's going this way. Um, and uh, in the decision tree, we have three outcomes at the end. We have the one which is all good, of course. We have the one where you need um, uh, additional assessment. Mm -hmm. um, you, you're calling it, um, I think you have to connect another, or you should the do the same with, measurement with a different. No, so there's there's three outcomes. One of them is everything's fine. You're less than a meter, not more than two bends, et cetera. The second one is additional um, assessment should be considered, i.e., 
go to the documentation that exists from manufacturers. So if you go and consult your manufacturer or come to our website, we've got a ton of stuff on our website about particle loss and transport tubing. Um, you know, I know because I've written loads of it over the years. And um, and so just pull down information that that will help you consider what the impact on data might be. And that way you can adjust your reaction times, you know, appropriate alert and action limits should be set. So you use it in defining what appropriate is. If, however, you've got, you know, an awful installation and there's six bends and two valves and some fittings and these, you know, they, they happen because of installation into very small technical spaces, blow fill seal, for instance, or isolators where we have to use a valve or we typically use a valve. Where you have those, we have an additional assessment is performed, i.e. you have to know what your losses are for that length of tubing. You could be able, you could get there through just visualizing and considering the assessment and, and seeing what that impact is. But the best way is to take a measure, you know, without measurement, there is no control. If you want to know what your losses are, measure what those losses are. And that's where we're sort of like leading people is that, that you know, there's the, the red, amber and um, the, the red, amber and green. So, but the red, amber, green is color. We can't have color. There's yeah. no blue. Uh, so because we can't have color, there's the, you know, notes A, B and C of increasing evidence required to support the use of tubing and valves and fittings and and this type of thing yeah and then we had the last uh, uh, outcome is the worst case you need additional assessment uh, and that's when we call you right when we have no other explanation <laughs> yeah, anymore. yeah yeah just just drop me an email mark you know that. <laughs> um, now work with the work with the local office they can um, you know either come to site and test or they'll build a simulated system in a controlled environment and test. I like doing it in a grade, you know, when I when I perform these tests, I like doing them in a grade C or a grade D environment because it's filtered air. So we know we're meeting the 1 over D to the 2.08 distribution. It's filtered air and, um, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a really useful distribution of particles in uh, in in use yeah so that sums it up pretty well i know you're working on a white paper which should come out uh, this year and a webinar for about next year about all these topics yeah. and details so people can learn um more on particle transportation is there anything else you want to add to this no yet so again it's it's a technical report to help people you know understand what's going on so now i have to come out with a white paper to so as people can understand the white paper yeah. but um you know that's what we do and as you said we'll have a webinar either the end of this year or early next i think early next year seems favorite for it and um, and if anybody does have questions either seek us at you know your local particle measuring systems rep or if you want to get hold of mark or myself then contact us at info at pmeasuring.com as usual. Wonderful, Mark. Thank you for your time. Always a pleasure, Mark. You know that. See you soon. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.